to the Philanthropy Impact Podcast. Listen on for insights into philanthropy, impact investing and sustainability. Hi and good afternoon everyone and welcome to Philanthropy Impact's Walking My Shoes series where today we are having a conversation about social investment and where it fits on the spectrum of capital. I want to say a little extra thank you to the chair and panel today for making themselves available at such short notice as we've had to shuffle um, and reschedule for today. You're all very brilliant, thank you. My name is Zofia Sanik and I'm the Director of Membership and Development here at Philanthropy Impact and the moderator for this series, which has been established to support you, the trusted professional advisor, in giving your clients best practice, practice advice, rolls off the tongue, in their philanthropy journeys. And uh, we know that it's uh, really important that you're empowered with knowledge for your clients, but that you also understand when to signpost to and where to find trusted partners and experts in the field. That's what today's session is, is kind of about. Please remember I'm on hand to help you make the most of your membership with us. So do get in touch with me via the chat today or my email will be available at the end of the session for those watching the recording on YouTube. I'm also the person to talk to if you'd like to know more about Philanthropy Impact Certified Training Programme. As always, we will be keeping the session to strictly 30 minutes, I promise. We do encourage you to use the chat to introduce yourselves, share your LinkedIn and make comments, but also post questions you may have for our speakers. This leads me to fully introduce our chair for today, who is joining from Hong Kong. Bonnie Chu, who is the Managing Director of the recently FCA-endorsed Global Social Impact Consultancy, the Social Investment Consultancy. And joining Bonnie today, or this evening for you, Bonnie, we welcome Sarah McFarlane, who's the Senior Investment Investor Relationships Manager at Big Society Capital, Danielle Sutter, who's the CEO at Big Issue Invest, and Ollie Pollard, who's Head of Enterprise Growth Funds at Resonance. Thank you all for joining today, and I'll now hand over to you, Bonnie, to make a start. Thank you. Welcome everyone. Uh, very pleased to be chairing today's conversation. Um, so as already mentioned, my name is Bonnie. Uh, the company that I run uh, recently uh, got FCA um, regulatory approval, which is very exciting. But before this, we've been working in the impact investment or the social investment as well as philanthropy space for over uh, 14 years. So this topic today of spectrum of capital and where social investment fits is particularly interesting because we've seen clients, foundations kind of moving more towards the middle as well as companies trying to move towards um, philanthropy and all the shades of gray as we have seen. Um, so today, uh, Philanthropy Impact is hosting this discussion because as um, a lot of professional advisors come to Philanthropy Impact to understand how best they can support their clients through the spectrum of capital, you know, all the way from their philanthropic journeys towards impact investment. And also how can their clients, some of the investors as well as philanthropists work more collaboratively with each other. Uh, so I think today I have the best panel to really shed light uh, on how to think about the spectrum of capital and how we can unlock more capital ultimately uh, for good. Um, so I'll first ask all of you to introduce yourselves, uh, if you can just cover a bit of your personal motivations uh, into this work and also where you fit, you know, from social impact maximization, like philanthropy on one side and traditional investment, financial returns maximization on the other hand, so that uh, we can contextualize the discussion. Uh, I'll first invite Sarah to give your thoughts. Thanks, Bonnie, um, and good afternoon, everyone. So I'm Sarah McFarlane, um, Senior Investor Relationships Manager at Big Society Capital. I've been working here for about a year now, and prior to that, I spent seven years at 
PwC as a private client tax advisor. So having conversations with clients um, where tax touches everything that they do from their investments through to their philanthropy and was really interested in this conversation around values and the purpose of money and what you can do with it. Um, came across this industry of impact investing and was very excited when I could combine the client relationship experience and work I'd done there with thinking about impact and how you can have an impact with wealth. Um, so yeah, I'm at Big Society Capital. Who are we? So we were set up 10 years ago um, with dormant assets funding um, and funding from four high street banks to help grow this market for social impact investment in the UK and our mission is to improve the lives of people in the UK and we do this um, through a two-pronged approach so firstly as a wholesale investor which effectively means we seek to grow the market not by investing directly into the frontline organizations um, but by investing with intermediaries like um, Big Issue Invest we've got here today um, and we are looking to support the social those fund managers um, through the products that they have to impact um, the lives of people on the ground um, we invest in four market systems, so in the impact venture space, so that's where people can use technology um, to help solve social issues, social and affordable housing, so more affordable housing, um, more housing that is for people from lower incomes all the way through to really vulnerable people who really need supported sort of specialist housing, then debt for charities and social enterprises. The third one, um, so sort of more affordable access to debt for charities and social enterprises that can't access finance from mainstream high street banks. And then finally, social outcomes contracts. So sort of investing in a different delivery of public services to achieve greater outcomes um, and value for money for taxpayer. Um, so alongside the investment activities, we have engagement activities. That's where my work sits as an investor, working investor engagement. And we're trying to increase the flow of capital into this market. So helping educate people, helping, helping signpost them opportunities, working with fund managers who are raising funds um, to, to help grow this market. Thanks, Bonnie. Great, thank you, Sarah. Um, over to Daniel. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Bonnie. And welcome, everyone. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for coming along. Big Issue Invest, we were set up out of the Big Issue. Big Issue was set up in 1991. It's a magazine where homeless people buy the magazine from us and they sell it on and they make a margin. They trade their way out of poverty. And it was really from that experience that Big Issue Invest was set up some years later in 2005 uh, because Um, sorry, I think Daniel, you uh, were muted because Sarah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Have we? You're yeah, in the I, same room, aren't now. you? I beg your pardon. Thank you. Yes. So, big issue, big issue, invest. Uh, set up in 2005, and we, we currently invest in about 150 charities and social enterprises across the UK. We're really doing the same thing as any other financial institution would do. Um, social enterprises need finance, just like small businesses do, and that's what we do. Uh, so we provide term loans, we provide quasi-equity, we provide equity-like funding. On that spectrum of capital, we really go across the whole spectrum. Uh, we deliver grant programs for funders, uh, we deliver our own loan program, um, we deliver three FCA managed funds which cover debt and equity, and we provide impact advice to a uh, social bond fund. Uh, and that's currently, that social bond fund is um, pushing 250 million pounds under management in there. So we're across that whole spectrum. Our core business is our portfolio 
of around uh, 50 million assets under management directly in Big Issue Invest. But impact is the driver for everything that we're doing. Thank you. Thank you, uh, and for keeping to time as well. Um, Oli uh, from Resonance. Thanks very much, Polly. Um, afternoon, everyone. Uh, so uh, my name is Oliver Pollard. I'm uh, the head of Enterprise Growth Funds here at Resonance. Um, moved into this sector, the social investment sector, four years ago, having spent a decade working in uh, mainstream finance. And this idea of the purpose and the spectrum of capital was a real sort of uh, driving force for me behind kind of making that move and trying to understand what's happening in, in the world of finance and, and impact investment particularly. Um, so Resonance uh, is 20 years old, 20 years old this year. Uh, and has been um, managing funds, impact funds, for uh, the last 10 years of that period. But since its very inception in 2002, uh, has been trying to solve the puzzle of how do we get uh, capital to serve people and communities, uh, and how do we connect um, capital to social enterprises and social outcomes. Uh, we are uh, one of the UK's leading social impact investors. Um, we have currently 300, just over 330 million under management. Uh, and we focus largely with that AUM on property funds uh, and owning properties uh, and allowing around those properties the ecosystem of support that's needed uh, to be provided by housing partners. The first of which was St Mungo's uh, and the main focus of our earliest property funds was, was homelessness. Um, so we go further, you know, we have 330 million under management, over 300 million of which is uh, property funds. Uh, we go further. By, go, by using our impact labs, we call them, to work and in, uh, investing into communities and investing into social enterprises and providing uh, impact advice and, and consulting as well. Um, in terms of like where we sit on the spectrum of capital, you know, very much impact driven. So if you're looking at that traditional diagram, uh, you, you're, you're kind of uh, in, the, in the space just, just next to philanthropy. But so we, are, so we are equally focused on impact as we are on return. And we think that's the really key thing because, you know, we're using, generally speaking, kind of traditional investment structures and methodologies, but we are trying at all times to keep ourselves aligned through good measurement and management of impact with, with those two, two kind of competing uh, priorities. Our investors through the different funds range from institutional uh, pension funds, local authorities, foundations, trusts, down to individuals. And we pioneered uh, for some time since 2015, the social investment tax relief uh, and using that in a fund setting, which allowed us to to to, to sort of uh, bring in investments of as small as £20,000 for individual high net worth and sophisticated investors. Um, so that's that's us. That's where we sit. Great. Thank you so much. Um, so I think especially hearing from Daniel and Ollie, it appears that you do have very diverse sources of funds and, and some of that might be, especially in recent years, coming from mainstream finance. So my next question is um, how, whether social investment intermediaries have been able to access mainstream finance. Uh, we all know how urgent and important it is for us to really expand more capital uh, that will flow to good causes, especially in light of, uh, for example, the Sustainable Development Goals. So perhaps uh, if Sarah, you can start again first, what you see at that broader level, and then for, yeah, Oli and Daniel to talk about their experiences as well. Thanks, Bonnie. Yeah, yeah as you said, 
that has been a, a challenge. And, and 10 years ago, the market was really small when we got started. There were a limited number um, of mission-led investors playing an active role. And lack of awareness and lack of investment products were kind of two commonly cited barriers to investing. Um, but we are encouraged that we see a greater pool of capital participating, which um, Ollie and Daniel, I'm sure, can touch on. But um, just to sort of say one of the challenges being for retail investors to access these private market opportunities um, was a challenge that we saw time and time again when we were talking to wealth advisors and wealth managers. And so back in 2020, um, Schroders and BSC partnered together to launch the Schroder Social Impact Trust. And that was seeded with some of the fund investments that Big Society Capital had made into an investment trust that is listed on the stock exchange and come and um so now to, to democratise access to that, and um, that's uh, almost about 100 million in scale, and we have aspirations to grow that over time. Great. Well, Oli, would you like to jump in with your thoughts on mainstream finance? Yeah, so I, I think one of the things we've really started to see at Resonance is, is the beginning of, of hitting that steeper curve of interest. I guess that what we've had is now 10 years of track record to build up, and, you know, clearly what's becoming uh, more uh, you know, visible to, to mainstream investors is that there can be uh, risk-adjusted sensible returns along with strong impact as the narrative of impact, the sort of uh, all the rhetoric around it has, has increased. There's also, it's been a chance for us to build a track record. So I would say what we've seen in the last 10 years is, is a real beginning of the interest from more institutional investors to come into this space. Now that doesn't mean there's not still challenges uh, to try and make sure that this meets expectations, that it has everything that's expected. And I think this for me is, uh, I could perhaps come on to this later, but is where uh, impact measurement and things like UNSDGs are really important in terms of having a common language as we move from being a group of specialist, almost niche boutique uh, impact investors into being having conversations with the wider mainstream kind of finance world. And, and those SDGs really are a kind of uh, a common point that we can we can all meet on. So I think that's really important. Yeah, Daniel? Right, I'm muted. You're good. <laughs> I'm good, thank you. We're just sharing the room, so unmuted <laughs> is, is great. And I think that indicates something of what you see in the sector, it's partnership. Um, we partner as organizations, both um, through, our, through our own networks, and we, and we partner with philanthropy advisors. I think if you're, if you're going to a strange country, having a guide really helps. Uh, so I think people will look to see um, who, can, who can guide them. Uh, through what looks like quite a quite a difficult space of understanding um, social impact investment, um, but there are um, there are a few places you can go to. Good Finance uh, as a website is full of resources um, that can be looked at. Um, advisors uh, can help steer across the range of places that you can come into the sector, and there are really simple ways of coming in. Um, the deposits of the social banks, um, Triadoff Bank, Charity Bank, Ecology Building Society. Um, they're all there, as well as the more, um, you know, more more bespoke and direct impact offerings uh, that some of us uh, are um, are looking at. I guess at the core of it is why do we have to only make money out of the bad stuff? Uh, can't we do some good with investing as well? Now, investment has done a huge amount of good. Um, it has lifted people out of poverty at an extraordinary scale through straightforward economic development. I think what we're doing with social impact investing is going, if you just pay a little bit of attention to your social and environmental impacts and tweak the other way, you can just have such a great impact on top of that economic impact 
that investing can bring and drive. And, and that's what our sector is really bringing. Yeah, I think that's a very helpful plug to the importance of social impact measurement. And I think BSC as a wholesaler has also been trying to develop, for example, the outcomes metrics, which has an updated version that came out, I think, around last year. So I think these are all kind of setting those common languages or the UN SDGs, for example, that Oli already mentioned. Um, so if it appears that there's some kind of uh, encouraging signs that mainstream finance is more interested, you know, ESG is being talked about and the S of course speaks to what we're all doing here. But how about the other side of the spectrum of capital uh, philanthropy? What role do you see philanthropy or other types of concessionary capital, government, etc. What's their role uh, in building, continuing to build the marketplace for social investment? Can start? <laughs> um, so I think I uh, can give yeah, a couple of examples of where philanthropy is really important. So, um, you know, philanthropy in its own right is really important, but in the context of social investment, um, getting impact driven organisations who are looking to raise investment, investment ready is a really good use of grant funding. Um, a lot of these organisations need support on their governance financial modelling or business planning, which is sort of extra time that they, they need to build that capacity to be able to go and pitch for that investment. And um, the Access Foundation for Social Investment has delivered a whole programme called the REACH programme of grants. I think it's um, almost about £9 million worth of grants to get um, organisations who want to go and get investment from social investors um, to support them on that process. Um, the other aspect is philanthropy as a kind of catalytic investor. So these funds who are going out to raise, um, they need cornerstone investors. That's part of Big Society Capital's role, but we like to see it when there's other foundations and others who are more philanthropically minded, able to come in and accept that um, either they're going in without the, the track record set up um, or they're able to take a kind of first loss equity layer in a fund, which will help to reduce the risk profile, which means that other investors can come in. Yeah. I'd say it's been just essential. Um, trusts and foundations, high net worth individuals, uh, philanthropists across the scale have been pivotal. They were there first. Uh, so you'll find if you look at the early investors in Charity Bank, trusts and foundations. Uh, if you look at us in BII, high, uh, high net worth individuals, trusts and foundations, they were the key leaders uh, in this. It's been their philanthropy that's opened the way. I think the second bit is that there was a new wave of venture philanthropists who came in, uh, and you'll find them today in the European um, Venture Capital Association, uh, EVPN, uh, its Asian counterpart, uh, AVPN and others. Um, so really, really important networks of, uh, of people who want to bring their skills of both business and philanthropy together. Uh, so that's been really critical. And I think at the core, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Somebody always has to pay. So if you want investment readiness done, who is going to pay? If you want a loss layer to lever in more capital, who is going to pay? Uh, philanthropy that is so interested in mission and achieving social impact is key to that. And I think we can do that without undermining grant making programs, because we can bring that capital that you don't want to lose to bear. Of course, investment is always at risk. But the ability to bring the weight of endowment and investment assets at scale is the real benefit that we can bring in social investment, I believe. 
just to very quickly to add to that, I mean, resonance is is the story of that say, that very process, as as Daniel describes. You know, philanthropists uh, and and grant funders and trusts have stepped in at the beginning to build the model, to build the the, the, the track record. So it's been absolutely critical to Resonance's journey. And it continues to be as we, you know, Resonance is, is scaling its property funds now. There is track record. There is, uh, you know, uncorrelated returns to the main mar mainstream markets. Uh, there's proven impact. But we have many other projects and other fund areas where we're trying to pioneer things like uh, more like equity type investments for social enterprises. So we continue to need a different blend. As Sarah said, the idea of this blended capital is really key at different points of the journeys of the type of social investment we're trying to do. So, you know, in our most innovative funds, we'll be requiring quite a strong blend with working with a lot of philanthropists and, and trust foundations. But where we can see scale and where we know that it works, we'll move, we'll be moving, you know, further into the mainstream investment. I think it's really key. Yeah, Sarah, do you want to come in further? Yeah, I was just going to add a couple of points on government, actually, in terms of the, the role that they're playing. So, um, they're involved as an investor, um, you know, government, um, one of the housing funds, Homes England invested in there, um, need more houses to be built, access to social and affordable housing. So um, they come in and we see them as investors, but also the support that they can provide around guarantees. So um, just when COVID hit and um, social enterprises, charities needed access to funding, they couldn't get access to that um, high street banks who were accessing that recovery loan scheme scheme that was providing a, a government guarantee around defaults. And so one of the social investment intermediaries went and got the accreditation, which meant that they could um, provide funding and access that, um, that government guarantee. And so that's really, really important because again, um, if, if there are defaults, um, that reduces the risk profile for other investors coming in. So um, yeah, that's a really important role that government play. Thank you. I mean, what I'm, I'm hearing is that governments and, of course, governments have been instrumental in setting up uh, BSC, right? And so government have philanthropy have played a really important role up to this point, but that they continue to be important. And one, one thing that I'm current of, uh, definitely seeing in the last uh, two years in particular is uh, more awareness around diversity, equity and inclusion and access um, on the investment committee of the one of their programs uh, has a very strong focus on equality and ensuring that actually we are using philanthropy to meet some of those gaps that mainstream finance and also impact investments simply can't meet. Um, and yeah, Oli, to your point about innovation and venture philanthropy, I think these are really important messages for professional advisors uh, who are probably advising some of their clients on their philanthropies. You also see how, how to truly have this seamless transition between kind of philanthropy impact investment and also some of their more traditional investments. Um, we have a a question come in and I think that might be the last question before we have to wrap up uh, but you know we live in a very volatile world now so the current uh, volatility in market do you feel that's an opportunity or threat for social investment I'm happy to happy to kick off uh, it's uh, well it's it, it it's got to be both uh, but we we know at times like this investors tend to uh, many investors tend to wait. Uh, they look for the bottom of the market and try and time it and get back in. Uh, and that's uh, um, very good if you can do it. Uh, we offer, I think as, as Ollie was saying, um, uncorrelated returns. 
that we're, we're not um, correlated to the stock markets. Yeah, we're not immune from the economy, but our activities are counter-cyclical um, and they're resilient. You don't stop needing a hospice. You don't stop needing care. You don't stop needing education uh, in recession. The ability to pay uh, by government or other funders may not have changed very much, but we have very resilient demand in our, in our markets and, and we offer uh, a pretty resilient return. Charities and social enterprises um, go bust less often than mainstream uh, small to medium-sized enterprises. So that's a, I, I believe we've got advantages at, at times like this, but fundraising at this time, very difficult, no doubt about that. Um, operating in high inflation environments, very difficult, no doubt about that. Uh, but we have an extraordinary sector. It's been resilient through 15 years of government austerity and cuts, uh, and it'll cope through this one as well. So I have great confidence in my, my colleagues in this space. Thank you, Daniel. Oli? Uh, just, just to add, I, I completely agree with Daniel's points there, and hopefully the, the, the rising tide of awareness of the problems, the inequalities, the things that mean we need to do more of this act as some counter to the sort of more typical investor caution at these times, because I, I think it's on an environmental and social level, it's never been so obvious. I think the conversations have been so close to the fore that we need to do this, you know, make these changes and make investment work for good. So hopefully that's some counter as well. But I see the opportunity for sure, as well as some threats. Yeah, Sarah, do you anything to add on that wholesaler level? You probably see the market pretty well. Are investors fretting about the current volatility of investors you talk to? I think it's a it's a very broad question that um, you know is in, impacting people on the ground with the cost of living, um, you know, all the way through to investors coming into the market. But I think um, just to well agree with what's been said, but emphasise from what Ollie was saying about you know thematically cl climate has been uh, been the leading piece around the sort of social and environmental issues and 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 outcomes. Um, but really, the pandemic, the kind of current war crisis has really heightened awareness of social issues and and the real need to um, support in this area so I I think it's it is a challenge but um, an opportunity and I think we are we're seeing more um, you know those those mission-led investors who who got us started are wanting to do even more so bring in their endowments to do even more so I think people want to respond um, and that's what we're seeing. Great. Thank you, Sarah. And I think um, some of the yeah, broader demographic trends that uh, I forgot to mention earlier when you spoke about that retail investors piece in terms of mainstream finance, obviously, yeah, Gen Z, millennials, women and the huge wealth transfer that we're seeing in the next decade to come. Like these are trends that are just making the tide of uh, growing, growing social investment irreversible. Uh, so but yeah, thank you all. And I see John. Uh, CEO of Lanthropy Empire has come in now. Uh, John, over to you. Well, thank you. Bonnie, Sarah, Daniel, Ollie. That was brilliant. Great start. Um, it's very inspiring what you're all doing. And uh, I mean, if you think about it, it's only been about 20 years since, uh, um, uh, uh, what was it? Um, the first major fund came in around Bridges and the government played a significant role in that. And it's come a long way since then. And unfortunately, 30 minutes really touched the surface. There are so many questions I would have liked to have asked, um, but maybe we should do a longer version of this as we sometimes do. 
but like, you know, what's it like from the other side? Are there enough investable propositions? Are people ready for all this? Is there enough place to put the money? Do you have enough money to put? Um, uh, what's happening with cryptocurrency? And uh, oh, I could just go on and on and on. Um, but uh, thank you for that. So I'm going to ask each one of you for uh, uh, final words of wisdom to uh, inspire people to do more about this. Uh, so let me start with Ollie. Thanks. Thank you. Um, thanks, everyone, for, for listening. I, I'm going to just pick up on something that Daniel said about partnership working, because since I joined the sector from mainstream finance, it's what's blown me away. The sector, big society, big issue, resonance, key fund, I have really witnessed that this sector works together to improve things, which means fundamentally when we get better, we all get better a lot quicker. So whether it's our practice around EDI as firms or as funds, our practice around just transition and how we tackle zero carbon, all those challenges. So the sector, individually, we all have uh, great track records we'd like to share with you, but I actually really think that what you're looking at in social investment in the UK particularly is a really strong sector that genuinely works as part in partnership to improve things quicker than it would do if it wasn't. Oh, terrific. Sarah? I'm going to say um, for wealth advisors to not be afraid to have the conversation with your clients, to engage with them, to, to just listen to them, to ask the big questions. Um, there, no one is an expert in this industry, so don't let you know perfection stop you getting in the way. And there's just so much resources out there now that there weren't 10 years ago. Um, and I'm sure Philanthropy Impact signposted them, but we can also share some. Um, but just, just get reading and, and start asking questions. Thank you. Um, and that leads me to say we have a specialized program for professional advisors and training around this kind of thing. So <clears throat> get in touch with Sophia uh, and do that. Uh, uh, Daniel. Yeah, John, it, you're quite right. 20 years ago, this got a supercharged boost with government and, uh, and, and big society capital um, after, after that. Uh, but why they did that was that you know, in 1542, Sir Thomas White set up the Sir Thomas White Loan Fund to make micro loans to craftsmen, uh, to apprentices, to become craftsmen. They were too poor to afford their own tools. And that fund is still running today. So what we're doing, what you, when you look down the centuries, you see people who are reinventing social investment. So I think all that's fallen to us as social investors and philanthropists is it's fallen to us to reinvent social investment once again and reconnect that powerful tool uh, of money and bring all the weight that investment money can bring to the sector and to these social causes that we back as people have done in the centuries before us. So it's, uh, it's for us to step up. Uh, in this day and age. Great. Okay, it's a pleasure, Ollie, Daniel, and Sarah. That's terrific. Bonnie, final word to you before Sophia comes in. Oh, well, I. how can I top Daniel? He always is, he's the most inspirational speaker, I think, of the social investment market in the UK. Um, I think I would just say that with uh, volatility really comes opportunities. And I would really challenge the wealth advisors to uh, push your clients outside the comfort zone, since they are outside their comfort zone anyway, with all that's coming. Um, and their wealth and what they have now, um, with the great environmental and social challenges uh, we have in front of us, yeah, what they have now is not secure. So, you know, really try to also uh, push your clients and uh, let them see the happy picture, but also get them a bit of uh, fear to hopefully get them embrace this more fully. Over to John and Sophia. Okay. Um, I think 
I'm going to follow up on, on Daniel. Um, um, I um, uh, spent a lot of time in Thailand and Indonesia, encouraged social entrepreneurs. And what they managed, that the kinds of funds they, you have here, are just, it was phenomenal. And uh, uh, I was hoping to be able to set up similar kinds of things. And, and it's not about it, uh, uh, adopting what we're doing here, it's about adapting uh, uh, in different countries. And it's, it's quite inspirational how social investment has really moved in this country. It's, it's, a, it's an exemplar to, to the world. So thank you to, the, to you all for contributing to that. Okay, Sophia. Thank you, Bonnie. You did a great job of keeping to time then. Thank you very much. Um, it was really interesting, really great. And I just want to add to what you said. Sorry, my daughter's just walked in. Um, around this idea that philanthropy, in fact, is a place where you can get this information. It's We are. This is just a 30-minute snippet of what we know and what we have within our network and the knowledge we have in our network. So thank you again for joining us today. And I'll see you in two weeks for the next live episode. Bye, everyone. Thank you.